Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is Indirect. The soccer show in St. Louis that covers it all. Here's Steve Schlager and U.S. Soccer International Tim Ream on the Big 550 KTRS. And welcome. This is the Indirect Show. I'm Steve Schlanger. This is a new soccer show in St. Louis. And the genesis for this show is that basically for a long time, I wanted to co-host a show with someone who was an active soccer professional, someone who was still in the game. Not one of these retired players who's been out of the mix, but somebody who is still in the thick of things, they have that perspective and insights of a current pro. And I wanted somebody who was at the highest level of the sport, playing center back in a league like the English Premier League over in the UK. But John Stones of Man City is busy. Virgil van Dyke of Liverpool had a contractual obligation and a conflict. So I have Tim Ream of Fulham as my co-host. Now, to be fair, Tim wanted Al Michaels, then he wanted Bob Costas. Neither of those guys were available. So essentially, Tim Ream of Fulham, we're stuck with each other, huh? I mean, it sounds like we both settled, haven't we? We have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It couldn't couldn't have worked out any better, could it have? Mm, You know, sometimes you just got to wait for that serendipity, right? And sometimes you just settle and let life happen. That's it. And it all kind of just fell into place, didn't it? Two St. Louis guys. I'm here in St. Louis at the moment. Tim in London, where he is the captain for Fulham, also part of the U.S. international team pool. And Tim, always a lot going on in the world of global football, uh, especially this time of year. Let's start with you specifically at Fulham right now, you guys coming off a loss to Newcastle last week. You've got West Ham this weekend. But for Fulham overall, one of the oldest teams in all of the U.K., you just got promoted back to the English Premier League this year after one season in the championship a year ago. Let's do the big picture, how things have gone from your perspective this season back in the top flight. Um, yeah, listen, other than last weekend um, where where we – got absolutely spanked up and down the up and down the pitch um you know we've we've largely enjoyed a you know a pretty good start the the first seven games having a, 11 points um obviously we Newcastle being the eighth game but um we've we've settled in really 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 well um and and sitting in in eighth spot at the moment so um overall we're we're pretty pleased with uh with where we're at for folks in our collective hometown of St. Louis. They might want to know what life has been like for you as a professional for a long time now over in London, the lifestyle, uh, the day-to-day. Give me a sense of what it is like, the difference between playing soccer in the U.S. and what you've experienced for the last dozen years or so. Um, I think the best way to describe it would be to head out to Six Flags, jump on the Screaming Eagle and the up and down, um, spin it around. It's just been, it's been a lot. Um, it's, it's been a wild ride and, you know, being, being over here now 10 years, um, it is, it's, it's, it's just a different, uh, it's a different animal. There's so many ups, so many downs and things change, um, in this, in this world so quick. 
Um, one minute you have a manager and, and the next minute they're, they're being sacked and someone new's coming in and it, it's just, it's, it's, it's organized chaos. We'll call it. Um, but it's fun and I love it and I, I enjoy it. And, you know, it brings out the, the best in, in players because of the competition and, and the, you know, promotion and relegation and, and the, you know, the, the threat of dropping down leagues. So, um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it and, and not looking to stop anytime soon. We're at a point in time where there's more Americans playing at a high level in Europe than we've ever had. Of course, Christian Pulisic, one of the most well-known, playing right down the road from you at Chelsea. But it's still a minority when compared to all of the Europeans that you share the dressing room with and the pitch as well. So when you have the cultures, the lifestyles, the different languages, that melting pot of football that comes together um, at an English Premier League club like yours, what's that experience like? That's the world. I mean, that's that's what we live in. Um, and and for you know, for us, I don't think we really we, we don't even think about you know the the different the different cultures and languages. I mean, football is a language in in and of itself right and and we all you know play the game and and play it because we you know we we enjoy playing it and um you know you create these friendships that that last for you know forever um you you meet people that you would never you know run into in in the world and and all of a sudden you're you know you're all thrown together you know israelis serbians americans english french um, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's, I mean, that, like I said, that's, that's football and it's, you know, it, it's a, a fantastic way to, to be exposed to, to different, to different languages and, and different cultures. And, but like I said, you know, um, we, we all speak the same, the same language and, and that is, is football when it, when it boils down to it. So it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a, a an incredible experience and, and one that, um, you know, I, I, don't take for granted uh, because I think a lot of a lot of people, um, you know, could could potentially do that. What is the reception these days for the European fans and in particular the the folks there in the UK? What is their perception of the American player? Because obviously <laughs> they expect the game to be played at the highest level. They have plenty of UK based players and other Europeans. They always want the best. What do they think of the Americans? I think they like the American players better than they like the owners. Um, and maybe that's for a, a, different, a right. different conversation, but no, I think, I think they have a, uh, maybe it's a, you know, a, a preconceived notion or, or something that they just come to expect to someone, you know, the, the Americans are, are going to put in, you know, the, the work they're going to put in the time and, and they're, you know, they're players that give a hundred percent effort, um, you know, every time they, they step foot on, on the pitch and, um, whether that's right or wrong. Um, I mean, that's, that's what a lot of, a lot of guys who have come through, um, even before, you know, before me and I'm, I'm the oldest one over here now, but, um, you know, I think that that's kind of what's, what's expected of, of us as, as players. And I, I think they would expect that from, from every, um, you know, every player from every nationality, but I think that's, that's kind of, become the the mo so to speak of of the american players but I'll tell you what we're we're pretty skilled as well um i think i think that surprises surprises a lot of people a lot of a lot of players that that i've run into um are are beyond impressed with um the the level of of technical ability that that we bring to uh bring to the table and you mentioned the american owners and there's more and more of them it seems like every day you've got the dodgers owner who now is the majority owner of chelsea you have stan Kroenke at arsenal you have the glazers at man united i mean there's some pretty prestigious clubs you have these americans coming over taken over and it's not gone well in some respects especially at mm. man united where they want the glazers out in no uncertain terms they just want them out they don't want changes tweaks just gone and so it's been more than a bumpy ride hasn't it oh yeah and i wouldn't even i wouldn't even say it's just the the fans i mean you you have the the pundits and and the you know the the people commenting on you know commentating on on all the games um saying that american owners are are kind of ruining things and um you know 
you're you're absolutely right. There's there's so many of them now. You have Arsenal, you have Chelsea, United, Liverpool have American owners. Um, uh, Fulham, we have American owners. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Leeds are are you know a, a American owned. Right. Bournemouth are are in negotiations with with an American. I believe he owns the the Vegas um, Golden Knights. So. Yeah, they're they're less accepted than than the players. I'll just I'll leave it at that. And and you know whether that's because they feel that um, they're changing the culture or changing um, what football is in in this country or changing what football is at at the clubs and what it means. Um, you know, I, I I I don't know. I I haven't talked to enough fans of um, and uh, about what they think and feel. Um, I'm a little bit busy just trying to make sure that I'm doing my job on the pitch before I get anybody else's opinions. And there couldn't be more of a dichotomy when you think about the fact that you have American owners who no doubt want to implement some of their American ways when it comes to the way they treat a franchise, right? Because in a lot of circumstances, for an American owner, a sports team is an asset that is part of a larger portfolio of other businesses, and sometimes they treat it as such. The Glazers with Man United loaded that club with a lot of debt from their other businesses, and that's something that I know the U.K. folks are certainly wary of. But as I mentioned, it's a dichotomy because no other place and in no other sport is a team – so much a part of the fabric of a community, its history, its legacy intertwined with the day-to-day cultural aspects of a town, more so than football in the UK. So you have these two paradoxical forces that are now being forced to come together, and it's going to be interesting to see where this road leads. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the the big hang up with with the fans is that these the owners are taking money out of the club to pay debts in other areas i think that's that's the big one of the big hang ups um and that's why they have this this oversight and and trying to bring in this um you know this this group the to oversee and and make sure owners are are doing the the right thing and and kind of look at football as a whole but it it is it is interesting because they 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 help drive these these communities and and these clubs to to different levels right but these the teams and the clubs are in a lot of ways the the one thing that that the communities have that is theirs that they completely relate to that they can um you know go to to escape anything that that they're dealing with on a regular basis so um, to then have their teams, what they feel is is being dragged through the mud and or run into the ground or um, not perform in, in the way that they've come to expect, um, you know, in previous years, I think it's it's difficult, um, which it would be for anybody. If you think about it, you, you think about, uh, you know, a sports team in, in America, you you think if if we say oh the you know the blues um over the years have have been run really well and then all of a sudden you just you know you you pull the rug out from under them and and um you know run them badly i think there would be a lot of a lot of upheaval um and you got to think these clubs are rooted even deeper than than that and i think that's that's where you they the owners are running into trouble is that they're they're so re- related to and and embedded in the community that um, I I just don't think they can do right, uh, to be completely honest with you. Well, one of the ideas that has been floated by an American owner, the concept of an EPL all-star game. Is it a good idea? Tim, don't answer that. We're going to step aside. We'll come back and talk about the perception and the possibility of an all-star game in the English Premier League. That's after this. Now more of Indirect with Steve Schlanger and Tim Reed. Check it out. On the Big 550 KTRS. We continue now on Indirect, the new soccer show for St. Louis. Steve Schlanger with Tim Ream. I'm here in St. Louis. Tim in London where he's still playing for Fulham. 
not at this particular point, although that would be great. I tell you what, if we could do the show during an actual game, just Kim, Tim mic'd, mic'd up, up yeah. mic'd up during the game. They're doing it in other mic'd sports. Up. They are doing it in other sports. They've done it in NASCAR for a long time. Um, you know, they're doing baseball players I've seen that are in the outfield or pitching or hitting. Maybe that was during the All-Star game, but they're doing it now. So potentially, Tim mic'd up during the course of an English Premier League game. How would that work? How would we do that? Um, uh, well, I, I'm pretty sure the MLS All-Star game, they've mic'd them up. No, I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've seen, yeah, I have. saw Brad Guzan a few years yeah. ago, they mic'd, yeah. they mic'd him up. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you could actually do it in a competitive game. We we move around a little bit too much. Um, a even little bit you? different than even you. Yeah, even me. Yeah, I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to tell you the the amount I ran over the weekend after after we, a red card, um, mm. you know, in our match. But yeah, we we yeah, it's just a little bit too much running. I don't know that what, I could I could have a microphone on. What do you think that would sound like if you were trying to chase down Erling Holland for ninety minutes? <laughs> if you were mic'd up, what kind of phrases, what kind of terminology would we hear out of Tim Ream's mouth in that instance? Um, I'd actually probably try to learn some, some Norwegian from a friend of mine, um, <laughs> to be able to, to say something to him. Um, and that's probably the only thing I'd, I, you'd, you'd hear, um, you may probably wouldn't, wouldn't make for, for good audio that you probably would have to, a lot of beeps. Um, yeah, there'd be a lot of yelling, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of shouting. Hey, go this way that way right um some not so savory language uh so yeah it, it probably wouldn't make for the best um audio so you guys haven't played man city as of yet that's still to come on the calendar but man city absolutely flattened manchester united in the derby this past weekend i mean it was men against boys it was holland just demolishing the back line of Man United, uh, Rafael Varane, Martinez, nobody was safe the way Holland produced that hat trick. What do you do against a guy like that? As a center back in the English Premier League, what can you do to slow him down? Because right now he is on pace, and this may change, but right now he is on pace to shatter all kinds of goal-scoring records in the Premier League in his first season. Do you want the truthful answer or the funny answer? Because the funny first, funny answer, funny first, the funny answer, yeah, funny would be, um, you don't, I believe, mm. um, I, I, I don't you know gonna that there is. You going to say that to your is... manager before the game? Are you going to say that to your manager? Hey, I no, 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 no. We, we, no, we've got, <laughs> we've got four weeks to, to, no, no, we've got four weeks until okay. we, we, you know, we'll, we'll be working on that. So, gotcha. Um, yeah. Listen, I. I He's just—he's on a different planet. What what is he on pace for? Sixty-three or sixty-seven goals? I saw sixty-five. Um, yeah, something like mid-sixties. Sixty-five. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure. I, I actually might uh, I might call up the Bournemouth um, squad and and see what they did because he he that's the only team he hasn't scored against. So we'll, we'll maybe we'll analyze what what they've done. Um, but he's just a different animal. Um, and you know what? Maybe the best way to keep him from scoring against you is to play with him in an all-star game. Uh, maybe maybe we should maybe we should well, well maybe that's the way you have to do it. Um I, I don't know. You you look at him and he's scoring goals, he's assisting goals, and it's just it's it's impressive. Um, but it's it's also, you know, it just does it it just looks so easy. Um and he's just he's He's so big. He's so quick. He's just, he's just built differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with the players that he's playing with, um, I think I saw that, that Pep Guardiola said that the difference between him and Messi is that Messi can do it on his own. Um, and Holland just needs to be in the box and have his friends feed him the ball and, and he'll do it. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, could be, could be pretty difficult. The way I see it, Erling Holland checks just about every box you could possibly have for a number nine he is big he is fast he is quick he is strong he's got the instincts he's got the movement he just knows to arrive in the box at a certain time and just has that ability 
that true goal scorers, genuine goal scorers always have, which is just to be in the right place at the right time. And sometimes it's not a spectacular goal. I mean, his goals this past weekend in the Manchester Derby were pretty spectacular, but other times they're more routine. But there's other players who don't have the ability to score those routine goals because they don't have those goal-scoring instincts. He has got it all. I mean, yeah. Is there anything more that needs to be said? I'm pretty sure you just covered it all. Um, he's always in the in the right spot. But again, that, that comes with being a, a true number nine, a true striker that is just there to score goals. Um, his timing, um, you know, but, but he's also... He, the, the timing of his of his runs, not just the timing of it, like being in the box, um, you know, and, and arriving where the ball is is going to be, and and that obviously comes with with a lot of of, of training and, and practice with with the guys around him. But the pace, the power, um, the strength, yeah, he's he he has it all, and, and he he uses it all um, to good effect in in every single every single match. What do you think about? what you just mentioned a moment ago with regard to Pep Guardiola's assessment that he does need that supporting cast. If you look at it in that context, right now in the game of world football, where would you put him in terms of other players that you would take? Would you select him ahead of Messi or Mbappe or Neymar or anybody else? If you had to build a team right now, this particular moment, who would you put ahead of him? Um, yeah, I don't think you, there's anybody. Um, I think you, you have other very good strikers with, with very good attributes. Um, don't get me wrong, but the way he's, the way he's scoring goals, assuming you can, you can put the quality around him. Um, and again, that's not to say he's not, he's not a a quality or technical player. It's just, he's, he's reaping the rewards of playing with one of the best um, teams in the world. And so, yeah, if, if you're, you're looking for a, a number nine and he, it, listen, he did it at Dortmund. Um, there's, there's no, there's no denying that either. So you're looking at a true number nine who can put the ball away, um, in many different ways, um, with the, the attributes and, and the physical, um, you know, presence that he is, I, I think, yeah, you're, you're, he's top of the list, um, every single day of the week. You touched on the All-Star game a moment ago, and we teased that before going to our last break. So let's circle back to it now. Um, that's one of the ideas that's been floated by uh, the new American owner for Chelsea, the concept of an English Premier League All-Star game. They've also talked about potentially a four-team tournament to see who gets relegated and maybe who stays up. These different sort of Americanized sports concepts that they could potentially bring to the English game that, as we all know, is so rooted in history and tradition. At first glance, you look at it and say, oh, boy, that's not going to go over well. <laughs> it's kind of a joke, kind of this, this American yeah. circus. However, if you really peel back the layers and take an honest, objective view of it, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. No, I don't think the the all-star game is, is the worst idea by any means. Um, maybe the, the playoff with four teams relegation promote. I mean, that that's a little bit strange for him to come up with considering that there's that we don't have that in, in soccer in America. Right. Um, but yeah, the all-star game, I mean, I've had conversations with guys and, and, not that not that a lot of guys that that I've I play with currently would would potentially be involved in that but from a from a content kind of um show the world you know show off the players um not that that's necessary let's be real because the the Premier League on TV is in every country all around the world so they see see the players on a regular basis but to get to get the players uh, you know the best of the best of the best together um, it would be cool. I mean, you, you, you look at, look at skills, competitions, different things that could be done. Um, you know, MLS has done a good job of, of, you know, putting skills competitions on, um, and making it fun for the players. Um, so I think it would be, yeah, it would be, it would be interesting. Maybe, maybe not so much the, the actual game, but everything kind of surrounding a, an all-star kind of weekend, um, 
you know, with with different different content, media, the 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 players getting together. I think it would be yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, yeah, fitting it in would would be a right. challenge. Don't get me wrong, but I think the players, a lot of the players would would potentially um, you know really enjoy it. Yeah, you could make it an event, an experience, the way that some of the the American sports have done, where it's a, a long weekend, other skills competition, and other associated events that go into it, and then it all leads up to the game itself. But you could follow the NBA's lesson, for instance, and have two captains that essentially pick the teams, as opposed to saying, "Okay, we're going to do uh, the northern part of the UK versus the southern part," um, and break it up that way. You could have players pick other players and that way you'd really get a sense of oh who on liverpool likes somebody on chelsea um who on man united perhaps doesn't like somebody at everton whatever the case may be you're going to see different personalities kind of come out and just give a new perspective on things yeah i think i think that's exactly the the way it it could and should be done i mean it's listen at the end of the day it's 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 for entertainment Right. right and and we're we're considered entertainment as professional athletes whether you play basketball baseball um hockey um football uh american football um so yeah we're we're classed as entertainment so why not make it entertaining why not why not do something different why not have like you said the the players picking the players and all of a sudden you're thinking Oh, he is he going to pick him because I, I'm pretty sure he almost broke his leg last season. But are they going to be okay now? Um, is he not going to pick him because United and Liverpool are just the biggest rivals? Um, what about United City? Uh, it, it would be interesting. Um, it would, and like I said, it, it would be all for entertainment. There would be nothing, no other reason to do it but for um, you know the the entertainment aspect. And it would be a tremendous spectacle until Mo Salah pulls a hammy and Jurgen Klopp yes. loses his mind. <laughs> Absolutely goes ballistic and shuts it down. Uh, too many games already. Why add another one? Right, right Jurgen? Too many games. There are too many games already, and we're going to get to that in a moment because you might have heard, but we do have a World Cup that is coming up next month, by the way. It's getting here quick. But to finish off uh, the conversation on the American elements that may or may not be introduced to uh, the European game, um, one of the things that we've discussed is the promotion relegation aspect um, and if there would be a tournament that would sort that out. But either way, that is one thing that you will never see in American sports, right? The the concept of relegation and promotion, which is such an integral part of the English Premier League and European soccer, and it's some of the most heart-pounding, intense, pressure-filled moments that we see at the end of every season because there is so much on the line. There is absolutely so much at stake. It'll never happen in America with American sports because owners won't want to concede the amount of money they would lose by being sent down for a full season. But I tell you what, the promotion relegation aspect in terms of the pressure that puts on everybody, not just players and coaches, but everybody in an organization, I mean, it's something else. I'm telling you what, if you're involved in, in, in either or at any point uh, in a season, it, it ages you. We'll just leave it at that. And, and I agree with you. I don't know that it'll ever happen. I don't think it'll ever happen in America because the owners don't want to lose out on, on the, their piece of the pie. Um, and I get it. I, I understand it. But uh, at the same time, there's nothing like going through a promotion season. There's nothing like going through a, a season in, in relegation and how, like, oh, just how dr it just drags on you. Um, but it is, like I said, in the, at the top of the show, it's a roller coaster, right? You have your ups, you have your downs. Um, and it, it brings a, an unreal amount of pressure. Um, but it can also bring out the, the very best in, in you as a person and, and you as a player. And um, that's something that I've either benefited from or suffered uh it, many times over the past five years yeah and in particular just the last two seasons you've experienced both being sent down and then getting promoted back up to the english premier league what 
are a couple of individual moments during that process that really stick out where it hit you the most? First, that you were going down, and second, that it was going to get you back up. Um, ooh, wow. Uh, I think the the first, in terms of going down, was probably, wow. Um, I mean, I didn't play much the, the last, the last time we got relegated. So I was, I was sitting on the bench a lot and watching. And I, I think just that entire season, just having to watch, um, and not really, not really contribute, um, was, was pretty tough. We'll, we'll say, um, and, and so, you know, sitting there and, and watching kind of the, the team play and not scoring goals. I think if you can't score goals, you're, you're going to struggle. And, and, you know, we, we weren't scoring goals. And, and so I, you know, had the feeling, um, you know, early on the way we were conceding goals, um, you know, we, we were in for a, a tough spell last year in terms of, of being promoted. Wow. Um, that's a tough one. I, I think that the, the, f when we, when we, one away from home uh, against Huddersfield, five to one, that was a, an eye opener. But when we went to Blackburn and won seven nil, and they were in, I think they were in third or fourth at the time, and we were in first or second. Um, that was kind of the the eye opening moment for for me anyway, where I was like, wow, this is we're gonna we're gonna do something something special this year, and ended up scoring over a hundred goals, which hasn't been done. Um, you know, in a while, which was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun year for sure. It's kind of remarkable because if you ripped up the rules today and started from scratch with the American influence that exists over in Europe now, they would not allow promotion relegation because the owners wouldn't want to lose that kind of money when they were relegated. But because it's part of the history of the game, it's always going to be there. Uh, which is just absolutely great, and it's it's tremendous for the sport, and it it, it creates a demand and a, a competitive spirit that you don't get other places where players and organizations can get comfortable, right? Because they don't have no, that yeah, kind of pressure. Yeah, you yeah you you can't get comfortable. Um, there's there's at, at no point can can you be be comfortable because each year comes around, it's like right we 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 have to be promoted. We want to be promoted. Like that's, that is the ultimate goal. Um, and, and when you don't, it's almost, I think for, for some teams it's, it's okay. Um, but for a lot of teams, it's, that's failure, right? You, you don't get promoted and, and that's failure. And, and if you get relegated, I mean, that's just, um, you know, blow the whole thing up. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I completely agree with you. If, if this was, you know, years ago, and, and they said, Oh, you know, they could have predicted the amount of money that was going to be in the in the, you know, in football and in the Premier League, I don't think anybody would have would have agreed to, to promotion relegation, it would have been a closed system, the way the way MLS is, but, um, you know, thankfully, it, it that's what, that's what drives the revenues is, is the promotion relegation is the excitement is the, you know, the, the struggle and, um, you know, for, for the teams, you know, that, that's, that's, that's their bread and, and butter. Uh, you, you talk about a championship team being promoted and, you know, the playoff final is, is dubbed the, the richest game in, in football. Uh, the winner of the, the playoff final gets upwards of 170 million, um, which is an insane amount of money. Um, and so, you know, everyone wants a piece of that. Everyone wants a piece of that and everyone wants to stay, um, you know, a part of that. And, uh, you know, that that drives clubs and, and owners and, and managers and, and teams to, um, you know, to try to try to get there and, and, and be a part of that. Something else that drives coaches and players and revenues is this little tiny event called the World Cup. It's coming around next month. We'll get into that as we continue here in just a moment. Back to indirect. Back to indirect. It's football. It's soccer. It's indirect. Here's Steve Slinger and Tim Reed on the Big 550 KTRS. Back on indirect. Steve Schlanger, Tim Reed, 
man, just a few weeks away from the World Cup. As strange as that is to say, as bizarre as it is to hear, we're in the middle of October, it's fall, the weather's getting cooler, and yet soccer's biggest event, in fact, the biggest event in all of sports, really, is coming up in a few weeks when usually it's in the summer, but here it is in the middle of the European domestic season. It's hard to get a handle on it, isn't it, Tim? It just doesn't feel like the World Cup should be just about a month away right now, but here we are on the doorstep. I mean, I, I just don't it, – it, it is so strange. Like, the the players aren't even – you know, when you have that like excitement and that like ramp up towards a, a World Cup that, that you do in the summer, there's there's all this like there's all this talk and, and yeah. media coverage and I just it just doesn't seem that that whole like vibe and, and excitement and energy about it. Um and I don't uh, again, I don't know if that's because it's in the middle of the, the season or um because of where it's being held. By the way. It may be cool there. It may be cool here in London. It's not going to be cool in Qatar. I can tell you that much. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, there's just not the same energy for it, and I don't, I, I can't put my finger on it, and it's, it's kind of bugging me. But at the same time, it's, it kind of makes sense because it's in the middle of a, of a domestic season. What I think is the fact that. There's always been a natural flow and cadence to the soccer calendar, and you just yeah. get used to it, how it is 365 days a year. There's almost no off-season in soccer, so you just get used to all of the benchmarks and the metrics along the way. And every year when you get to spring, when it comes to um, the domestic seasons, for instance, teams are a lot of times already locked in place. You may see that Man City's running away with the Premier League. Uh, Champions League places are booked. A lot of teams are, are out of the Champions League or the Europa League. So teams are kind of settled into the places they're going to be. And so you start looking ahead towards the World Cup and the rosters and the, the preparation. But here we are. We're still at the beginning uh, of this current season. So you got the Champions League going on. You got teams still trying to find their form domestically. So you have so many of these other things that are preoccupying um, players, coaches, and just the soccer world that you almost don't have time for the World Cup to enter your soccer consciousness. Uh, no, and and I I think that's that's a good point. I, I I think because of the the weekly, um, you know, domestic games and then the the midweek Champions League games, Europa League games. There's so much you know coverage and and talk and um, you know ideas about about those games that nobody can can really get out ahead and and talk about the world cup um and and yeah i just think it's it's a, a strange it's a strange feeling going into what is the the biggest sporting event in the world um and and whether we see that ramp up you know come come november 12th um or is it 13th 13th is is the last um you know matches here in in england but um yeah, it's just it's just odd. I think when when you look at it, we're, we at, at Fulham won't even have played a um, a half a season. We we won't even hit nineteen games until after after the World Cup is finished. So it's it's strange. It, it is strange. It's it it has thrown a lot of things off um, and and created a, a backlog of of fixtures. Even though, like I just said, we're we're not even going to be halfway through. Despite the strange buildup, when it comes to just the competitive aspect and the entertainment value of this World Cup, let me ask you this. Having it in the fall this year, is it going to make it a better World Cup or a worse World Cup? Um, I don't know. I think it's made, in, in some ways, it's made the leagues better um at, at this point but in some ways it's made the you know the the actual players worse um i know we've we've had this discussion previously about you know players kind of saving themselves and so there's a lot of uh, craziness in terms of results within within leagues so it's 
you know, it, it's strange to, to see some teams near the top and, and others near the bottom and, and some players not, not being in very good form at the, at the minute um, and, and maybe saving themselves for the, for the world cup. But I, I, I can't see it being, I can't see it seeing it be like bad, right? Because you, if you think about a, a world cup at the end of um, end of a, a of a cycle uh, in the summertime when, when, teams and and we've had this you know conversation as well where where players are absolutely on their knees exhausted and then they have to go into what is the biggest tournament um you know in in football right to then ramp it up again and 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 be able to play at at the very 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 highest level is hard so i, I don't know maybe it maybe it'll be a good thing uh, that it's that's in the middle of the season teams can go you know go, they guys will go straight into their national teams and 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 be at a, a good level um, in terms of in terms of fitness. I think there won't be the the build up with the national teams. I think there's a lot less time um, within your your camp to prepare uh, to to really get down and 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 make sure that that things are going to go the way you want them and or to to have the the tactics really set in stone going into the first game. But again, that could make it interesting um in terms of in terms of results and and who knows what we're going to see yeah i think the managers have to be the most stressed about the way this all lays out because we're just coming off the last international window a week ago where the national teams got together for the final time before they all convene in qatar to play at the world cup and they're only going to have about a week together before the games start which is exceptionally short by the standards that they're used to um, that they typically get every spring they're together sometimes almost two months before the the games actually start so it's a very compressed window and that's obviously not a lot of time and for some teams they're panicking for the u.s in particular they're coming off a window where Let's face it, they just didn't play well. Um, not only failing to score, but not generating much offense, not getting shots on goal. Going in, we knew that this was going to be a team that was going to struggle to find a consistent source of offense. And now we're left with this right before the World Cup. It's got to be a cause for concern. I mean, who is going to score for the U.S.? Oh, I got to be careful here because these are these are my guys. These are these are guys that I've I, I've w- played with a uh, you know sure. a lot over the last um, three years. But um, but I think to yeah, be fair, I, I just, and I, not to put you in an uncomfortable spot, but to be fair, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, of right, course, nobody is showing the type of form or goal scoring yeah. ability right now that you'd, you'd have a lot of confidence in, right? Well, I mean, I think you can make arguments. Um, I think you can make arguments for and for and and against the you know a, a good number of guys, but um, I mean this has been this has been an ongoing problem for for how long now? This isn't just this isn't just a, a this moment um, you know issue with with the the strikers and and the you know the guys in form that that are going to score goals. Um, you know I think Josh has done a, a really good job Josh Sargent by the way another St. Louis guy mm-hmm. has done a has done a really good job of of establishing himself as as Norwich his his striker um you know scoring a, a I think what he has six or seven goals now in in the league and um you know Jordan and and Hertha um you know in the Bundesliga doing doing well to kind of to to be at the you know the top there with with them and and kind of rounding into form and you know, all of a sudden, Ricardo Pepe scoring a few goals. Um, you have Jesus um, down in Dallas, who who you know was has a very good year scoring goals at at, at that level. But does it translate to to the national team? Um, and this again, this goes back even before these guys. Uh, you know, going back to to the last World Cup cycle, where you know struggling to to find a consistent goal scoring. Number nine, I, I just, I don't know, I don't know who you go with, um, and I don't know how you, how you make that decision when when you have these guys who are who are you know struggling uh, to find form, and that's not just the strikers. That's a, a lot of, you know, a lot of the guys in in the setup, um, you know, at the moment with with their club teams. 
So I wonder if you're Greg Borhalter and the coaching staff, you just don't have much more time with these guys. Sure, you would have liked a better buildup in terms of results and execution coming in, but you don't have it. Uh, things are the way they are. you got to get the team ready. You're going to have three group stage games in just about a month. How do you set up this team to give you your best chance of success? You might not be fully confident, but what can you do and what should you do to give your team the best shot at the best possible result? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um... Not an easy question, is it? Uh, no, it's not an easy question because again, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to say because I, I, I haven't been in there in a while. I don't know what the, what the feeling is amongst the, the guys who have been in there. Um, you know, I know guys are frustrated that you, you can see that in the way they're playing, that there's, there's frustration there. Um, but I, I just think they, they, they need to get together as, as players and, and just say, right, like it's, this is it. This is now, this is what we have. This is what we, we can do. Um, I'm glad I'm not a manager. I'll I'll just, I'll say that right now. I, I, I can't imagine having that, um, you know, having that pressure. Uh, Like you said, there's, there's more pressure on them than, than anybody um, to, to pick, to pick a squad. And then from that pick, pick an 11. But um, I just think that they just need to go in and and think, you know what, from a player's point of view, they just need to, to go in and say, this is it. Uh, it, it. Like we just have to pretty much do whatever we can um, run through a, a, a brick wall, fully buy into um, whatever tactics and, and setup that, that the, you know, Greg and, and the, the staff are going to, are going to put, put in front of the team and, um, and just go for it. You know, there's, there's, again, there's, there's nothing to lose. Um, so that's my cop-out answer. Sorry. Well, Steve, I, 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 I can't, I, I can't answer that from I, a from that standpoint. I totally get it. I, I just hope that they can go in, and like you said, to a degree, is just recognize the enormity of the moment, but not let the moment be too big for them. Right? Yeah, exactly. Even though you haven't yeah. had the results. You don't know what the next World Cup cycle is going to bring. You don't know if you're going to be back in. You don't know um, if you're going to be playing. Uh, you know, they're going to be at the next World Cup because the U.S. is hosting, so they don't have to qualify. But a lot can happen in another four-year cycle uh, in terms of a player's ability to be on the national team. So um, I think the worst thing is to come away from Qatar and just regret certain moments that you didn't yes. You didn't do this or that or something you were thinking of. Just don't let the moment be too big and recognize maybe that other teams are in a similar position. They don't have the same means of preparation. So just go out and, I mean, really attack it and engage. I think that's the perfect, uh, almost the the perfect kind of scenario, right, for for any player and and anybody listening. You know, if if you have a, a, a young you know, a young player, or if you are a player and you're listening, I think that's, that would be my best piece of advice is that go out and and train and go out and play the games like it could potentially be your last. Um, And then at at that point, if you go in with that kind of mindset, then you'll never disappoint yourself. Right. Um, And, and so I, I think you're absolutely right. They need to go in. It is a big moment. They need to acknowledge that and, and just say, you know what? So what? here we go. It's not going to, it's not going to overcome us. And, and we're just going to give it, give it everything we can um, because who knows what can happen. Right. And right. and hopefully they do that. And, and, you know, I think if, if everyone in, in the, you know, in the U S sees that they're, they're putting in that, that maximum effort um, and they're, you know, they're, they're giving it everything they, they possibly can, then, then nobody um, you know, there's not too many people that, that will, uh, will look down on the, on that. All right, we're almost set to close things out for this week. We'll have more on the World Cup, obviously, in the next few weeks. But in the next few days, Fulham has West Ham coming up on Sunday in the Premier League. Give me the thumbnail on West Ham and what you guys are expecting. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a tough game, as as they all are. Um, something that, that my wife always always says. She's like, oh, it's going to be tough. I'm like, well, Jesus, all the games are tough. Um <laughs> You know they they had a good win the other night um, against uh, you know Wolves, um, so they're 
they're kind of you know on the on the up i think they're they have a lot of games with europa league uh, west ham do so i think they've been struggling to to figure out how to how to handle what uh the europa league and and the, the premier league but yeah they had a good coming off a good win so it'll be difficult you know we're but we're we're obviously looking to get back on uh, you know on the horse and, and back to winning ways and um, you know, continue to, to solidify our spot, uh, you know, in the mid table and, and, you know, top half. Well, you don't have to say that all the games are tough. I mean, one time you can come out and just say, you know what, we're going to pound these guys. I mean, they, they have no business being on the same pitch with us. We are just <laughs> absolutely roll them. That's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course you'd love to say that, but um, that was more last year. I don't, I don't think that really, yeah. that's really going to happen this year. Uh, it's just, it's such a competitive league and, um, I mean, the championship, yeah, everybody can beat everybody. But in the Premier League, it's like mentally and physically, it's just so demanding. Um, and, and that's what I mean by, sure. by tough. Like you, you can, you can, of course, you can, you know, we, we played Forest the other day and we were up 3-1, scored three goals in, in six minutes and, um, you know, felt like we were, we were steamrolling them. And then, you know, you come off the, the field and you're, you're exhausted mentally and physically. And that's what I mean, like that they're, they're all hard. Right. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to just get a, a pretty comfortable win here coming up. Well, it's funny because anytime you ask coaches about a team, no matter how favored they are or how one-sided it appears, they always talk up the other team and they'll say things like, oh, Diplomatic. They're, they're, they're so well coached. They've got a, 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 a <laughs> lot of quality players, this and that. I mean, it could be Alabama football against Middle Tennessee nowhere. It doesn't matter. They're still going to say these typical cliched things about them instead of saying what they really think and being honest which is hey this is a body bag game you know we're paying them to come here and get pounded by us (laughs) it's just respect and humility that's all it is but i agree with you i I think it would be hilarious if at some point if if a manager comes out and it's just like yeah we're gonna kill them they're they're gonna be done we're we're gonna put six past them and, and that's going to be that there, there only one time has that ever happened to me i was doing a uh, college basketball game one time and i was there uh to do the play-by-play i'm at practice the day ahead of time and i i talked to the head coach who i'd never met before and i started asking him about his team and he literally starts ripping him he says see that guy down there oh he's terrible <laughs> yeah the other guy there he can jump like two inches it's like oh he's garbage yeah, it, it was it was really refreshing because he was honest, but I couldn't believe how bad he was trashing his own club. It was it was kind of bizarre, but refreshing at the same time, I guess, to hear that kind of honesty. I uh, well, I I would hope that if I ever heard that kind of honesty, it wouldn't be about a team that I was on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it would, it would be refreshing. You're right. It yeah. would be, it would be something different and, and something, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure people will get a good, a good laugh out of it, but um, probably not his own players. So Tim, enjoy the weekend in London, have fun and good luck against West Ham. And we will talk in a week's time. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Enjoy St. Louis. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.